I got it, ladies. Whoa. Wow. Down, Randy. I forgot that uh, this whole series Dan had called The Art of Leaving. Uh, my message is about staying, so sorry. <laughs> Screwed this up from the beginning. Um, but, I mean, it's what's in the Bible, so take it up with God. So, uh, I want to start by telling you a story. So, before Stacy left uh, on medical leave, so she's come back, don't worry. Uh, so, before she went, she said she really hates this metal, there's like a metal filing cabinet, and it's really only half full. And I do not like wasted space. So when she's like, hey, can we, can we amalgamate this into the cupboards at the back of the admin office? I'm like, yeah, let's lose some wasted space. This is my dream. Get rid of something. Love it. And it's scrap metal, right? Make some money. So, so then, and, and so we want to fit like file folders in there. So I have a determined size of my drawers. They're 13 inches wide. And then the cabinet's 23 inches deep. So like, I, I just have to make a box that can hold these files and then put some slides on the side, really simple, right? I can handle that. You guys know that I build things. I can do this, no problem. Well, so, so I go and I measure, and, and so I'm 17 inches wide. So by the time I add, add the plywood for my box and then I add the drawer slides, I'm like two-ish inches out. Well, if you've ever looked at a tape measure, there, there's these little marks after the numbers. Those marks aren't for ish. They have value and they matter. And so that's what I learned under this project. Um, oh, oh, okay. So, so when, when we're reading this section, so now, now we're going to look at Exodus 25 to 31. And, and God's laying out this plan for the tabernacle and, and the priests and their garments and the sacrifices and, and all these things. And he's very specific. Because it's not like, ah, kind of build me somewhere I can live-ish and whatever happens, happens, and it'll be fine. Like, God's very specific, and there's no ish. Like, there's purpose and there's method, and it all matters. So we're looking at seven chapters today, and uh, I'm just going to read it to you, starting at Exodus 25, verse 1. Just kidding. No one. Uh, so last week... Last week, if, for those of you who were here, and if you didn't watch it, you should watch it online, because it was really good. So Shannon came from Sequoia Church. She talked to us about covenant and commitment and, and this idea that, that God offered a, cov- a covenant to the Israelites and then they, re- in return, made the commitment to saying, yeah, we'll do whatever you tell us to do. Well, now God's telling them to do something. And then the week before that, I believe, Dan talked about the right kind of fear and this idea that um, the Israelites were terrified to go anywhere near God or this Mount Sinai or whatever God was doing because there was thunder and clouds and it was terrifying. And so they didn't want to do that, so they said, Moses, you go do it for us. You intercede on our behalf. So then now it, it kind of comes around. So Moses has gone back up Mount Sinai, and God's saying, I want you to build me a tabernacle, and the, the fixtures and the furnishings and the, the priests and all these things, seven chapters of this. And so... So the first thing that God kind of says is he says, I want you to go to the Israelites and I want you to gather these precious metals like the gold and the bronze and the silver and the, the fancy linens and all this stuff and, and go and get them for the Israelites. Now, if you've been paying attention, 25 chapters ago, well, not even, probably like 20 chapters ago, the beginning of Exodus, they just left Egypt. They were slaves. Slaves don't own gold. Otherwise, they wouldn't be slaves, right? If you have a pile of gold, you're not being a slave to somebody else. So these, like, they, they got this stuff that God is now asking them to bring to, to build the tabernacle and, and to 
make garments for the priests and do all these things. They got that from God blessing them as, as the Egyptians drove them out. Like, so God, God provided all this stuff that he's now asking them to, to bring back to him. So I, want to, I am going to read to you a verse, though. So 25, verse 8. If you brought your Bible, it's not going to be on the screen because we weren't ready for that. So it says, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. So I think that that verse is like the basis for the next seven chapters. So put that in your mind keeper somewhere. Lock that one away. So what, what God is saying, he's laying out this plan. He's saying, you need to make, make holy space. Make this, like, like everything is about setting it apart. Like we're, we're setting apart this space for God. We're, we're using this, this gold and, and we're setting apart these priests and we're setting apart this altar and we're setting apart this basin. Like all this stuff is, is to make holy space. Because if you've been paying attention in Exodus, sin can't exist in the presence of God. Like the, the sinful people that try to get into the presence of God died. And I think we'll probably get into that a bit more next week because some people die. So like it, it's this whole thing that, that sin can't be in the presence of God. Only holy things can be in the presence of God. So what God is trying to do is he's trying to make holy space so that he can come and dwell among the people. So like I said, there, there's no ish in this plan. Ish isn't holy. Ish, like holy is specific and it's, it's very like exact. He, he, God says in the next verse, in verse 9, build it exactly like the plan that I've given you. So there's no ish. So then what I want you to notice is so then, then he starts getting into the plan and, and he says, make this bronze altar and make this, this bronze, it's like a wash basin. It looks like a really big bowl if you look at the pictures. When you get home, Google Tabernacle and you can kind of see the thing. It's cool. Um, or you can watch the Bible Project video that we posted on Facebook. That kind of sums up everything I'm going to tell you today. So you could, you could just watch that in four minutes. Sorry. Anyway, so there's this bronze stuff as soon as you go into the courtyard, into the tabernacle. And then, and then the closer you get to, so there, there's like the tabernacle and then inside the tabernacle there's a tent. And then inside the tent there's like a room in the tent. So it's, it's like, I don't know, a thing and a thing and a thing, you know. And so, so that, that last room, the room in the tent, is called the most holy place. And, and the tent itself is called the holy place. So let's see where it's going. And, and so the farther, the closer you get to that most holy place, or the holy of holies, it's sometimes called, the, the value of the, the materials used for construction, like now everything in the most holy place is gold. Like the Ark of the Covenant's in there, and it's covered in gold. And like there's gold pillars, and there's like fancy embroidery. Like it's, it's not just that materials get better, but like the craftsmanship gets better. And, and I think God is trying to make this point that like his presence is valuable. And it's it's worth pursuing and it's worth getting there. Like, like there's such value in that room and that's where God dwells amongst his people. And so I think this is much like how in creation, in Genesis, we see God creates the universe and then within the universe, he creates earth. And then within earth, he creates Eden. And Eden is where God dwells with Adam and Eve until they sin and they get kicked out. But it's, it's a thing within thing within thing. And then, so that, that's where we're going. It's like, like the Russian nesting dolls, right? So you've got, you know, but there's only three. So there, there's the big doll and then the medium doll. And then inside there's a small doll that's made of gold. And if you touch it, it'll kill you. Unless you're holy. <laughs> so, so to protect 
the normal people from getting killed, there was this really thick veil. I think I heard somebody say it was like four inches thick. So it's like, that's a serious curtain, right? And, and so this veil was in between the, the most holy place and the holy place, and only the high priest would go in there. And, and so then this is the veil that gets torn when Jesus dies on the cross. If you guys are familiar with that story. Yeah, I saw Cody nod his head, so we'll assume everybody did. If you don't know it, I'll tell you about it after. Yeah, or ask Cody. Yeah, there you go. Your final task before you go to New Brunswick, tell everyone about the cross. So, so then the next, the next couple chapters, this is chapter 27 and 28 now, uh, it's talking about the priest. And so God's setting them up. They're, they're the holy representatives of Israel. Because if just everybody came in, it wouldn't be special, right? It wouldn't be holy. It wouldn't be set apart. It would just be common space. So, so God's setting apart these holy representatives. And we see Aaron, Aaron gets set apart as the high priest, the like, most special one. And, and again, you see this thing that it, like, it's not just a building. This is God's dwelling place. Well, it's not just a tent. It's God's dwelling place. And, and it's not just like guys in nice dresses. These are like holy priests. And, and it's not just like, it's not a barbecue. It's a sacrifice. These things are, they're holy. They're set apart. It's different. And, and so when, when God starts talking about these sacrifices, and then I clued in, well, wait, a bunch of slaves who just left Egypt 20 chapters ago, like, they don't own livestock. Slaves don't own livestock. So, again, this is like God provided these animals for them to do these sacrifices by blessing them through the Egyptians as they left. Just like when, when Adam and Eve do the first sin and they realize they're naked, and then God, he then kills the animal and makes clothes for them. Like, God provided the sacrifice. And, and with Abraham and Isaac, God provided the sacrifice. So here again, God provides the sacrifice. So God's so far doing all the work. And then we get to the last couple chapters. So, what are we at? 29, 30, 31. Uh, and, and so God then talks about these two guys. And I think, like, if you're just, if you're going through the Bible, so far it's talked about, like, Moses and Aaron, like, pretty big deal, right? So if you get your name in the Bible, that's cool, right? Um, so then it talks about Bezalel and Aholiab. Probably not how you pronounce their names. Anyway, so it's these two guys, and, and God says, like, I I've given them gifts, I've filled them with my spirit, that they're going to do all the work to build all this stuff, like to, to do the gold craft and, the, and the build the bronze stuff and do the embroidery, and like God's given them the giftings to do these things. And like, like these are blue-collar workers. This isn't, you know, this isn't God filling Aaron or, or one of the other Levites to be a priest. This is God filling some guys to be blue-collar workers, which is most of us, right? Just regular Joes. And so this reminded me of, and if you haven't seen it, I mean, you're going to have to get Instagram, but it's worth getting Instagram for this. So Kelsey posted this video um, because I made her, and it was part of her internship thing where, so she had to do kind of like a devotion, and so she talked about how when she plays guitar, she feels really close to God. And it's really good if you have five minutes of time, six minutes if you have to download Instagram. It's worth doing. And and just kind of watch it and and she just kind of shares her heart and says, like, when, when she plays guitar or when she worships, she does this musical thing that God has gifted her to do. Like, if you watched Kelsey, like, last week, I think it's obvious she's gifted to play music. She's gifted to worship. She's gifted to lead us in worship. And so, so to see that, that's exactly what's happening with Bezalel and Aholiab. God has gifted them for a specific task. 
And I mean, it's not as cool as leading worship, but that's okay. Because I, I think this is, this is more relatable. Because if, if you're like me, yeah, I can't sing. And I can kind of play guitar, but you probably haven't seen me do that here much. Most people don't know that I've ever played guitar here. Uh, so this is more relatable for me, because I'm like, oh, yeah, I can build stuff. I can build drawers or whatever. Goldcraft, maybe not. Anyway, so then, so then God starts laying out um, kind of like some, some of the finishing touches in, in the last chapter. And so he's talking about um, this washing basin that I mentioned. Uh, they call it the laver. I don't know why. Uh, so it, it kind of gives this idea. So the first thing you would see when you walked in to the courtyard of the tabernacle was the altar for sacrifice. So right after that, there was this, this basin for washing. And it wasn't like, like you don't come and have a shower. This was just kind of like, like you dip your hands or your feet or something, just, just a little sprinkle. It, it was more of a ceremonial cleansing basin than a, like a wash tub. And so, so this kind of like it foreshadows, we'll say, it foreshadows this idea of like when Jesus washes the disciples' feet and, and then Peter says, well, don't just wash my feet. You've got to wash all of me then. And, God, and then Jesus says, well, no, like if your feet are clean, then all of you is clean. And, and so then we have this basin. If you dip your hands or you wash your feet because their feet were super dirty. Somebody talked about that a couple weeks ago. Maybe that was not a sermon here. That was maybe me thing. Um, anyways, that, that's what's going on there. Like, so it's not like people weren't going into this thing to have a bath. This was just like a dip your hands, dip your toes, whatever, little ceremonial wash. And, and so now some of you are probably thinking, like, mm, that's not how Jesus works for me. Like, I don't come to church to get clean and to do sacrifices. And, like, this is pre-Jesus, though, guys. This is Exodus. So, like, like they, they weren't washing at home and then coming to the tabernacle. Just, just like we don't deal with all our sin and then come to church. Like we, we just show up with our junk and our sin and then, and then we let Jesus wash us at church. Or, I mean, you can meet Jesus anywhere now. We have that luxury in 2021. Uh, but they didn't. So if they wanted to be cleaner, they wanted to deal with sin, they had to go there and they had to kill a bull and then wash and the priest would do his thing. And it was messy, like Dan talked about. I think Dan talked about the sprinkling of blood and stuff. I don't know. It happened. It's messy regardless. So then this really cool thing happens. So, so the, the first thing, I'm pretty sure this is 25 verse 1. I'm not on the page anymore. Anyway, so the first thing God says, or, or the phrase happens, then the Lord said to Moses. And then we get to chapter 31, and it happens six more times. Then the Lord said to Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, and six times. So now, now we have seven times. And everybody knows seven's important in the Bible? Yes? Five of you know that? Well, now you're all going to know. Seven is important in the Bible. So we have seven days of creation. And then we have seven of the clean animals going onto the ark. You all thought it was two animals went onto the ark? It wasn't, it wasn't two. When they were clean, they got seven. It was only two of the dirty animals. That's why there's only two mosquitoes. So, so the seven is important in the Bible. And it's this idea of like completeness or perfection. So what's interesting here is just like on creation, what happened on the seventh day? God talked about the Sabbath and he introduced rest. 
And that's what he says to Moses here. The, the seventh thing, and I'll read it to you. So 31, chapter, 12, chapter 31, verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths, Sabbaths, yeah. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And in other translations, instead of saying sanctifies you, it says makes you holy. Because that's what sanctification is, is this process working towards being holy. So God is saying that, that you're going to rest, you're going to have a Sabbath, and I'm going to make you holy. Got it? So far, so good? So like I was saying before, sin can't be in the presence of God. So then the tabernacle kind of makes, it, it's, it's a way of making the Israelites holy. And then just like how, so God's making the Israelites holy, just like how now Jesus came and he makes us holy. So if you're like me, up until a couple weeks ago, every time I would read this, I would kind of blaze through it. Like, I don't understand what's going on. This is old. Like, not, not only is the tabernacle old, but there was a tabernacle and then a the temple. And then now we have Jesus. Like, I don't understand this stuff. And you would just kind of blaze through it like it was the names and numbers. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. So, but then I, then I started reading this. And like, because like, I think, I mean, God could have just dropped a tabernacle out of the sky. Like, he built Eden. Why couldn't he just like, tabernacle, this is where you can meet with me. That would have been way, way more simple. Um, but God has a plan, and he wants, he wants our involvement. Like, like this whole thing, like I said, that 25 verse 8, that build this thing, and then I'm going to come, and I'm going to dwell among you. So, so God, A, he wants human involvement. He says, you're going to build this thing, and then I'm going to come and dwell among you. You with me? We're tracking? Good. So now I'm going to turn the page. I just needed a second. Uh, so, so God, so two things, and if you're writing things down or if you have a really good memory and you're just going to remember, these are the two things to remember. One, God wants to dwell amongst you, around you, near you, as close as possible as he can get to you. Like uh, Curtis, I didn't use this verse, but I thought about it. So Curtis, Curtis nailed it when he read John 15 at the beginning, where it talks about, like, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you, and, and this idea of Jesus dwelling in us. So it's really good. So if you weren't paying attention, you should go back and read it now. Not right now, but later. Uh, so then number two is that God wants your involvement. He wants you to build the thing. Uh, except now you're the thing. So let me bring this to the 21st century. Because did you guys know that Cornerstone has a verse? Like our church has a verse? Only Dan's nodding his head. Yeah. <laughs> Kai knows. Kai and Dan knew that Cornerstone had a verse. So I'm going to read it to you. Uh, so Ephesians 2, starting at verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, it's a cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. So like this concept is in the whole Bible. This isn't just God trying to dwell with the Israelites. Like God wants to dwell with his people, whoever they are, wherever they are, whenever they are. God wants to dwell with his people. 
So now this isn't just some blah thing that I'm going to speed through in Exodus. This is, this is relevant then because it's relevant in Ephesians, which is the same time we're living in now where Jesus wants to dwell in us. He wants us to be his temple. But I want to I explain to you this cornerstone thing because who knows what a cornerstone is? Yeah, Wendy. Wendy knows. Maybe Sean. So three of us know what a cornerstone is. And, oh, and Penny knows. There we go, four of us. That's pretty bad. Um, I'm sure there's all the people at home probably knew, right? Anyway, so, so I'm going to tell you about a cornerstone by telling you a story because I like to tell stories. So when I first started doing construction, um, there's, there, well, I heard this story about these two guys who I kind of knew, but they didn't work for us anymore. And so they, they got left alone on this site, and I think they were building like a garage foundation, so a rectangle. Pretty simple, right? Most of you could handle a rectangle. Uh, except instead of drawing on a piece of paper, you're like building it out of two by fours. So, so they're building the footings, the hole is dug, they just need to make a square, or, or like, yeah, like a square rectangle, you know, 90 degree corners in this hole. Simple, right? Everybody can do that? Nail some two by fours together? Okay, so they did this. So then the boss comes back and they're gloating, and they're like, yeah, we made this thing and it's so square because to square something, you like take your tape from one corner to the other and then you go the other way and if it's the same number, you're square. So then they do this and then you can like measure your angles and whatever math. Uh, so they did it and they're like, yeah, we got this thing, it's so square, like this is, this is amazing, you should look how square this is and they're gloating and then, and then he points out, well, is it square to the house? No. So then it doesn't matter. It can be as square as you want, but if it's not square to the house or the other buildings on the property, then it's just a rectangle in the ground that you have to change. So this is the purpose of a cornerstone. So we don't build with blocks anymore, a whole lot, occasionally, but usually we just pour concrete. But so back then they would build with blocks, aka the pyramids, big blocks. So the cornerstone, you'd set this one block, and then from that block, you would then square your next block and your next block and your next block. So the cornerstone is like your basis of what is square, of what, like, this building is going to be a rectangle because I set this one, and then 30 feet from this one is this one, and then it's exact. And then, you know, you go from there. So your cornerstone is like, like the first one you set, and it's the basis of everything. Yeah? Now everyone knows what a cornerstone is. I feel so accomplished. So, so what Paul is laying out here is that the focus is Jesus, this cornerstone. Like, like our focus needs to be on Jesus. And, and what, what Moses is writing here in, in Exodus is that the focus is the holy of holies, where God's presence dwells. We're tracking? Cornerstone, holy of holies, God's presence. So everything in, in Exodus 25 to 31 is what we're looking at, is, is God wants to dwell. And he makes these... High priest, like, um, Aaron makes Israel holy. He, he's like the, the high priest. He's the holy representative. It's his job to make sure that nobody else gets killed because they're sinful. So he's in charge of, like, the sacrifices and going into this, this holy of holies. That's Aaron's job. And, and all of this, like, the whole purpose of everything in these chapters is that God can dwell among his people. And so... Like, when I used to read this before, like I was saying, I would just blaze through it. But now, now I'm thinking, like, God's probably super excited when he's telling Moses this stuff. It's not just like, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this thing and whatever. 
and like list of names and you just blaze through. Now it's like God's really excited because he's like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to build this and we're going to sacrifice like this. And then we're going to make this thing out of gold. And then because you did all these things, I can come and dwell with you. Like it's a big deal. Thank you. Amen. Right? I don't know if I'm excited about it. Because I, I honestly, I didn't notice this before. Like I said, I blazed through this because I thought it was just blah, like three versions of whatever was going on before. Now we're on like Jesus and who cares about tabernacles. But I, like God is really excited about this because this is how God could dwell amongst the Israelites in the wilderness. So like I said, like everything looks different, but the plan is the same. The plan is always and has always been that God wants to dwell with his people. This is what we see in the Garden of Eden. This is what we see in Revelation, like going into heaven. God wants to dwell with his people. God, God's on a restoration mission. Like, so if, you, if you're ever reading the Gospel of John, and you guys are probably all familiar with this verse, in John, 14, what, John 1, 14, he says that the word became flesh, the word being Jesus, aka like became flesh, meaning Jesus became a human, so God became a human, and, and then it says he dwelt among us. Or the literal like, translation is he tabernacled among us. So, like, this is, this is the same plan, right? This is the same plan, except that we went from a tabernacle where God could kind of come sometimes if everything was good and everybody was holy enough that nobody died, then God could come. Whereas now we have Jesus who dealt with the, the cleansing. There's no more, like, wash basins. There's no more, we don't have an altar for burning bowls and stuff. Although we should have a barbecue again sometime soon. Uh, but, like, there's none of that stuff. Jesus dealt with all of that. So, same plan, but it just looks different. So, that, like, it's not about the Ten Commandments that we looked at a few weeks ago. It's not about, like, priests and sacrifices. And, like, that stuff's all, it's just a means to an end so that God can dwell with his people. So then... Like, what we have now is, is Jesus. It's a better way for God to dwell. Like, God is advancing in the direction of dwelling with his people forever. Like I said, like, God's ultimate plan is that we would all just live in heaven with him forever. But for whatever reason, because he knows things that we don't know, and he sees things that in the future and, and all that stuff, that he's waiting for us to get to that point. So the, the method has changed, but the plan is exactly the same. So then I have some questions for you. Do you want to in turn dwell God. Because obviously he wants to dwell with you. There's like 66 books in a Bible of him saying that he wants to dwell with you and, and his plan to do it. So do you want to dwell with him? And then like Dan was talking a few weeks ago, like the Israelites were afraid. They probably weren't too excited about this tabernacle thing where God was going to come and be amongst them and like, mm, I'm going to keep my distance. So like do you have things in your life, maybe sin or something else, distractions, whatever, that's stopping you from dwelling with God or, or for engaging in that covenant that he's offering? So I think, like, God wants to dwell, and, and Jesus dealt with the sin and the cleansing. So now, now we're left with your participation. You need to do something. So I think there's, there's three, three types of people. So there's, you know, the, the people who are crushing it, who spend lots of time with God, like they're dwelling, they have an active 
vibrant relationship, and good for you. We all want to be those people, right? And then there's, there's other people, and I mean, sometimes you might be in that camp, sometimes you might be in this camp where you're just kind of like, all I can handle is Sunday morning, and, and like, that's your thing, just the one hour, that's all you can do, or maybe that's all you're interested in for whatever reason. And, and so I would encourage you, after hearing this, that God wants to dwell with you, that you would, you would find a step to take forward. And, and so if you're doing that, if you're going to take a step forward and do something, that you would, you would talk to somebody about it. Um, so I'm willing to be one of those people that you can talk to. I know Dan, Dan told me that he would be one of those people. I convinced Ralph that he wanted to be one of those people. Ralph is in the yellow shirt and you made, yeah, there's Ralph. Uh, so if you want to talk to one of us, or, I mean, you can talk to somebody else. I won't be offended. But if you're going to take a step forward, if you're going to do something, if you want to engage more, then talk to somebody about it. Don't just make this plan because then you won't do it. But if you talk to me and you say, well, Nathan, I'm going to read my Bible more, well, then I'm going to ask you if you've been reading your Bible more. Maybe I shouldn't have told you. <laughs> but now you know. Anyway, so then third group of people, there's these people who showed up or are watching online and have no idea what I'm talking about. And they're like, I didn't know that God wanted to dwell with me, among me, or anything. They, they didn't know. And then I think like those people maybe now are thinking, well, if God wants to dwell with me, that sounds pretty good. Jesus deals with my sins, cleansing, etc. I'm in. So if you're that person, again, you should talk to me or Dan or, or Ralph or somebody else. And P.S. I picked Ralph because he's on the board, not because I didn't want to pick anybody else. Just saying. In case I was like, why didn't Nathan pick me? Ralph's on the board. So if you want to be picked next time, join the board. <laughs> Except I don't think that's how that works. Uh, anyways. So it, if you're those who didn't know or, or just weren't engaged for some reason, like it could be you knew and you just weren't interested before, and now you're interested, then, then build space for him in your life. And again, like talk to somebody either one of the three of us or somebody else, you just talk to somebody, talk to, like, if you're young and you've got, your parents are here and you want to talk to them, like, talk to somebody about it. Don't just make some, like, commitment, but, like, talk to someone and say, like, this is interesting. What Nathan said sounds good. I want to engage. So now I'm going to pray. So, God, thank you for uh, just this time where you can talk to our hearts and remind us that everything in your Bible is valuable, that you have a plan and a purpose, and it's not just random words in a book, but that, that your plan all along has been to dwell with your people. And thank you that we are those people that you want to dwell with. And it's not about cleansing and sacrifices and, and all these other things, but that you just want us to build a space in our lives where you can dwell amongst us and in us. So just thank you for the gift of Jesus that makes this so much easier than having to kill bulls and, and all these crazy things that are happening in Exodus. Thank you for Jesus that makes it so much simpler for us. And I pray that you would just help us to, to engage and that we would go deeper and we wouldn't just be the same Christian we are today for the rest of the week, but that this afternoon or tomorrow that we would we would just take a step forward whatever place we're at and that you would just help us to commit in a deeper way because we realize how committed you are to dwelling with us so thank you for the gift of your son jesus and all of the work that you've done on our behalf amen